0: This is the West Concord Sermon Podcast. Thank you for joining us and we hope you receive a blessing from today's message. And hello again everyone. Welcome to Worship with West Concord as we gather online once again. And today we are going to finish our series on the book of Malachi. The reason why I preached from the book of Malachi for the last several weeks is because there are similar themes in Malachi to what we're going through today. The people in Malachi were released from captivity. They'd been released for about a hundred years, just as though we're in captivity with the coronavirus. They were in captivity with the Babylonians. Theirs was more oppressive and difficult. But for our context, ours is rather oppressive and difficult. And as we slowly emerge from it, we need to ask ourselves, are we catching the message in the misery? And the whole idea with of preaching from the book of Malachi was so that we could see how the children of God responded and reacted to their liberation and they didn't do well. We want to do better than that. We want to learn from them. And Malachi has, as you've seen, some harsh statements in it because God is very serious about the disposition of His people. But at the same time we also see the aspect of God that is gracious. And the reason he wrote this book and sent it through Malachi was so that he could draw his people back unto himself again. And uh, so that's what we hope. We hope that we avoid the complacency and laziness that the nation of Israel experienced when they were released. We hope that as we are released from our captivity, we as the people of God will be transformed, changed, and the better for it. Now, this morning or this afternoon or whenever you're watching, we are looking at the conclusion of the book of Malachi, as we see God trying to take us back to His ultimate normal. Because that's our goal right now, is to get back to normal. And uh, we want to climb out, we want to get back to normal, get back to our jobs, our schools, and so forth. We want to be able to go to the mall, the grocery store, out to eat, all of those things. But what is God's ultimate normal? And that's what we want to focus on as we look at the conclusion of this book. Now in Malachi, as we said, it is put together by six oracles or six burdens that God shared through Malachi with the people of Israel. And let me just review them quickly. First of all, as we looked at Oracle 1, we see that the people needed to respond correctly to God's love because they were doubting the love of God because they were turning their backs upon him again and he was lifting his hand a blessing and they had begun to doubt his love. Do you really love us? The second oracle dealt with honoring God. They needed to honor God with their lives, but they had gotten so lazy and so lax that they were only half serving him. They were offering the send-offs and the cast-offs of their offerings. They were only doing Uh, just whatever needed to be done to get by so they were struggling with that the third oracle dealt with the faithfulness of God's people God needed his people to be faithful to him and specifically the priesthood to be faithful to him not only that but the fourth article dealt with the cynicism that arose because of their unfaithfulness you know when you begin to take your eyes off of God and you look at all the problems in the world and all the inequities in the world, you get to wonder, where is God? Why isn't He doing something? And so cynicism against God arises. The fifth oracle dealt with their obedience to God. They had begun to continue, or actually continue, to disobey God and to not follow His commands. And he reminded them from the very beginning, from the inception of the nation of Israel, that they had a pattern or a cycle of doing that of disobedience to God. And last time we were together, we looked at their complaining against God. Because again, when you start drifting away from God, when you start ignoring His commands, only giving Him half-hearted service, then yeah, that's going to lead you to start wondering, where is God's blessing? Why isn't God doing something? And we begin to complain against God. So it's a very difficult book to go through. And again, I, I didn't choose it so that I might smack the heads of God's people. I chose this book because we needed to learn from the mistakes the children of Israel performed when they were coming out of captivity. We need to come out of our captivity better and stronger. Now, as we come out of this captivity, our desire is to move to normal. Now, I hear all this talk about the new normal. I don't know what that means, to be honest with you. Uh, What I want to focus on this morning is God's ultimate normal. What is normal through God's eyesight? What is normal from God's perspective? And before we jump into the book of Malachi, I want to take you to Genesis chapter 1. Because this is where it all began. This is where human history started at the time of creation. And just before the fall, God reveals to us what His ultimate normal is. After six days of creation, God said in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, it says, Then God saw everything that He had made, and indeed, it was very good. You see, this was the time before Adam and Eve's temptation and sin. This was before sin came into the world. At this time, the world and Adam and Eve were innocent. Now again, they weren't perfect, but they were innocent, and the world was very good. Understand this, that is God's ultimate normal. Now, we're far removed from that. But you know what, we're going to come back to God's ultimate normal one day. Let's go from Genesis all the way back to the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 21, one day we will return to God's ultimate normal. Look what it says in Revelation 21. A lot of of text here, but listen along with me. In verse one it says, Now I saw a new heaven And a new earth. This is John relating the revealed truths of God and the revealed future from God's perspective. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle, or the tent, of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death. Did you hear that? There shall be no more death, no sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away away you know in genesis we have god's ultimate normal and here in revelation we have god's ultimate normal and all the stuff in the middle all the eons of human struggle sin and suffering all the pandemics all the pandemonium all the wars the murders the 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 man's inhumanity to man all of that and even what we're going through now this is not god's normal even when we get through this pandemic even if all the political and racial strife settles down all the riots stop even if all of that stuff stops we're still not in god's ultimate normal and understand god is wanting to move us from genesis to the ultimate normal in Revelation. And of course he does that through two ways. He does that through first and foremost the Lord Jesus Christ. When we looked at Malachi last week we saw the, the, the prophecy of His coming. We saw the prophecy of John the Baptist heralding His coming. We saw the prophet, uh, prophecy of Jesus coming. And Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the pathway, the road to God's ultimate normalcy. But even though we know Jesus now as our savior, we're still struggling with the sin, strife, and all the sorrow of the world. We're not at that ultimate normal yet. But God wants us to get us as close to that as possible. That's why he's given us his word. That's why he chided and encouraged the children of Israel back in Malachi's day. That's why he's bringing us through all the strife and turmoil today because God is trying to get our attention, turn us around, maybe turn us inside out, get us to let go, get us to hang on and trust him and realize as much of his ultimate normal as possible. And so keep that in mind as we dive into the last chapter of Malachi this morning and we conclude this message. So pray with me as we get ready to do that. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the privilege of being together again. We thank you, Lord, that through technology and such wonderful, gifted people in our ministry that we are able to come to you and and before you with this message and you're able to get it out to those who need to hear it. And Father, I pray for the listeners. I pray for those who are watching that, Lord, they would look beyond the inadequacies of this all-too-human speaker, and that, Father, they would gain the message that you would have for all of us. Father, I pray that we would hold on to the idea that, yes, there is still hope, and that hope is in Jesus, and you're wanting to take us to that new, that ultimate normal of godliness, righteousness, and perfection. But until then, Father, we're here, and we pray that through this COVID virus, through this all this unrest that father we could grow we can change we can transform and get as close to heaven as we can as we walk with you strengthen us bless us teach us in jesus name amen so go to malachi chapter 4 and we're in the last chapter and again we're at the conclusion of this book and god is going to get very real with us right now it's not that he hasn't been already but he's going to bottom line his message to the children of Israel. He needed to remind them that that there was a day of reckoning, a day of accounting coming. Now, we already said in the passage we looked at last week that Jesus is going to come. He is going to bring salvation. He is going to bring hope. And all that fear God, not the complainers, not the whiners, but all that fear God are going to receive blessing and hope. And so he's going to continue this idea of this day of reckoning or this day of judgment, if you will. And we're going to look at two groups again. We're going to look at the godless, and we're going to look at the godly. And we're going to see the destiny of both of these groups. And, you know, as I preach, this is a very difficult passage to preach because it talks about the wrathful judgment of God. And today's generation, they just don't want to hear about that. We even have theologians and Christian leaders today who, because of passages just like we're going to look at, they tend to reject or minimize the truths of the old testament that's unfortunate because the old testament is 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 as much the word of god as the new testament the old testament and the new testament both serve their purposes for god they are the word of god and we must listen to and adhere to both of them in their context so i want to first of all draw your attention as we look at the godless and the godly i want you to see the ruin of the godless look at chapter four we're going to start in verse one And he says this, he says, for behold, the day is coming. Now listen, burning like an oven and all the proud, self-absorbed, all the proud. Yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble. And he's talking about the godless people, those who have rejected Christ, those who have rejected God, those who stand off and sneer at him, those who, who push him away. I want you to notice the, the ultimate condition of the godless. They're going to be like stubble. Notice he said the judgment that is coming is going to be like a burning fire. And he's, he's going to bring this fire and the godless are stubble. I don't know about you, but if you notice, whenever you get close to some stubble, some brush on the ground with fire, it lights up just like that. And if you let it go, it'll just burn away quickly. You know, whenever you want to start a fire, you get kindling, you get small sticks, you get stubble in order to start that fire. And God says the godless, those who've rejected Him, will be stubble, and His judgment is going to be the fire. No, that does not paint a very pretty and encouraging picture. Some would even say that is ultimately so harsh. It's not the God of grace that we see in the Old Testament. But listen, it is. Because the God of the gracious. Attitude in the Old Testament is the same God of the judgmental and and holy attitude in the Old Testament. It's the same God. And you will also, by the way, see, as we've seen in Malachi, the grace of God over and over, as we'll see again today. And you also see the judgmental nature of God, the judging nature of God, in the New Testament, if you just read it closely. So there's no difference between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. It's the same God. And he says, the ultimate ruin of the godless is this, the ultimate condition of them is to be stubble. And he is coming with a burning judgment. Well, when fire hits stubble, what happens? Well, look at the rest of verse 1. And the day which is coming shall burn them up. We see not only the ultimate condition of the godless, but we see the ultimate consumption of the godless. The day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, and that will leave them neither root nor branch. You know, when there's a forest fire and the fire hits a dry forest, it consumes everything. And the godless will be consumed and destroyed in this fire, this judgment. And they will live for eternity, yet separated from God in that judged condition, in that tormented condition, in that burning condition. You see, yes, hell is real. Hell is a real place. Jesus talks about hell more than he talks about heaven in the New Testament. Hell is a real place. It does exist. And the godless, the unsaved, the unrepentant, and this... I get no satisfaction preaching this passage. And we shouldn't celebrate the going to hell of anybody. You know, I can see some people, some believers listening to this and say, well, yeah, that's what some people deserve. All these evil people, they deserve hell. They deserve to burn. Let them go burn. Shame on you for that attitude. We should never celebrate anybody going to hell, no matter how bad or evil they are, because God loves everyone. Titus tells us that God would love to have everybody in heaven, but because of sin and the ultimate rejection of people, they, many, will not make it. They will not get to heaven because they've rejected salvation by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I I don't celebrate anybody going to heaven. It doesn't bring me satisfaction. It does, or going to hell rather. It doesn't bring me satisfaction. It doesn't bring me glee. It brings me tremendous sadness. Because again, as I said before, this isn't an us against them. It's a God for all of us. God with all of us. But some reject him. And even some believers, while they may not spend an eternity in hell, while they may not be ultimately stubble, Nonetheless, they align themselves because of their pridefulness, because of their laziness and laxness in their walk. They become not much different than the godlessness. And listen, a lot of the stuff they cherish in this world will be burned up as stubble in God's judgment. So as we look at the the understanding, the the ruin of the godless, we see their ultimate condition, they're they're stubble. They're, They're waiting to be burned, Burning is coming, and the ultimate consumption of not only everything they have, but everything that they are, and there will be burning for all eternity. You say, but yeah, Pastor, some people deserve to go to hell. Listen to me very carefully before you say something like that. I deserve to go to hell. You deserve to go to hell. Everyone who's ever breathed since Adam and Eve deserves to go to hell. It is the grace of God Almighty through Jesus Christ and our faith in Him that allows us to, to skip hell and to, and to be in heaven, to go to heaven with Him one day. There's nothing about me that deserves heaven. There's nothing that I could do to earn heaven. There's nothing that you can do to earn heaven. Heaven is a free gift provided by Jesus Christ through his death on the cross. When he died on the cross, he paid for your sin, my sin, and the sins of the world. And he he died there. He was buried, rose again from the dead. He lives and offers salvation to all who would accept him by faith. But the tragic truth is many people reject him. And so that is unfortunate, and that is the ruin of the godless. Is that actually the people that we want to identify with at the end of the day? Do we look for the things that they look for? Do we have values similar to those values? Do we want to be on the losing part of this equation? I shouldn't think so. But the ruin of the godless, ultimately they're going to be stubble, they're going to be hit by fire, and ultimately they're going to be consumed in their sin and selfishness. And again, that's that's tragic. There's nothing gleeful or satisfying about that. That should motivate you and I as believers to even more so go out and share the gospel. There is nobody, I don't care what anybody's ever done to me or done to you, there's nobody that I want to see burn in hell. Even the person that has been the most hateful to me or the most mean to me, even somebody who's hurt me and harmed me, I do not want to see them die and go to hell. I want to see them come to know Jesus as their Savior because without Him, they face ruin, consumption, and the condition is just ready for judgment. So we don't want to do that. So let's look at the next group. Let's get a positive aspect right now. So, whereas we've looked at the ruin of the godless, as we jump into verse 2, we're going to see the release of the godly. The release of the godly. And again, this we should keep it in mind because we are going through a quarantine and we are hoping to be released from this soon that we can get back to our lives again but ultimately we're in a larger quarantine than we realize see we get motivated and upset about the covid virus or the coronavirus and well we should it's dangerous it's difficult it's created difficult times but there have been viruses before. There have been things before. The ultimate virus that we're going through, the ultimate virus that keeps us imprisoned in flesh, chained to ourselves, is the virus of sin. The virus of sin that was introduced by Adam eons ago when he rebelled against God. And because we are Adam's offspring, we are now also under that viral quarantine, the virus of sin. That's why I say even when this COVID-19 virus is in our rear view mirror and we get back to whatever normal is, we're still going to be infected and quarantined in a sense by the virus of sin. So while we're asking God to release us from the COVID virus, we should be seeking God to release us from the virus of sin so that we might honor Him and live for Him. So let's look at this as he talks about the ultimate release of the godly, those who do know Him. Take your Bibles and let's continue on as we're in Malachi 4. Look down at verse 2. He said, but to you who fear my name. Remember, we talked about these people last week. The people that reverence God, that honor Him, that are are believers in His faithfulness and are willing to submit to Him. They fear that reverential fear. They have honor toward God. He said, here's what your story is going to be. Those who have trusted Christ, those who have admitted that they're sinful, that they cannot save themselves, that hell is their home without Christ. They've come to know God. They've come to know Christ. And now he's saying to you who fear my name, I want you to notice, first of all, as we see the release of the godly, we see the healing of the godly. Look what it says. It says in verse 2, "...the Son of righteousness shall rise with healing." In his wings. You know, here Jesus is, is described through the metaphor of a rising sun, S-U-N. Even though he's the S-O-N, the son of God, he's, he's, he's described here through this metaphor of the warmth and radiating rise of, of a sun. You know, the sun in the sky in the morning. And it says, the sun shall arise with healing in his wings. You know, a sun doesn't have wings like a bird, but it does have radiations that come out. You know especially if you see the sun rise or set on a cloudy day you see the radiance of the sun and the rays coming through the clouds and and the bible pictures those as wings as healing wings and the son of god is going to rise as a sunrise and he's going to bring healing to the godly and my goodness that's something that we're interested in because so many people are sick so many people are sick with not only covid virus but we have all kinds of sicknesses illnesses and not just spiritually but emotionally physically financially relationally we've got so many things going on but through jesus christ there is ultimate healing and yes we can experience some of that now because let's be honest some of the garbage that we go through is self-inflicted some of the things that we deal with Because we we deal with it because we've turned our backs upon God. We've become like the people that Malachi was prophesying to. And ultimately, God is going to raise up. Ultimately, God is going to heal completely. But until then, we can go to God, confess our sin, and get Him to cleanse us from that. And we can experience some of this healing now. So for the godly, the release will involve, first of all, the healing of the godly. And secondly, the freeing of the godly. Look at verse 2 as we continue. He says, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. In other words, stall-fed calves, they grow fat because they're not out and about. They're in a barn, in a stall, and they're raised and they're fed for the purpose of being sacrificed and eaten. If you had a Big Mac, that was probably from a stall-fed calf that they want to fatten up. They want to get Plumps, so they therefore they can slaughter them and make your Big Mac and my Big Mac. And I like I'm not a vegetarian. I do love a good Big Mac. But the Bible says we shall be like stall-fed calves. But we're going to be released. We're going to be out to, uh, to released and be able to go out to pasture. We're going to be out in the sunshine, the healing sunshine. We're going to be out on the plains and the fields, enjoying the things of the new heavens and the new earth that we looked at in Revelation. We're not going to be stuck in a stall fattened up for sacrifice. We're going to be fattening ourselves up in God's beautiful new world that he's going to create. In a sense, he's going to release us and he's going to set us free. And we no longer will be complacent. We will no longer be stuck. We will be no longer imprisoned by our sin and selfishness. But we're going to be set free to enjoy everything that God has for us. So there is healing, there is freeing, and finally, the saved or the godly will prevail over the ungodly. Look what it goes on to say in verse 3. As we go out, as we're released from the stalls, he said, You shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. How are they going to be ashes? Why? Because they're going to be burned up. He says, you shall trample the wicked. And here again, where a lot of people want to go, "Woohoo! yay, we're going to win, we're going to win. No, this is not what this is about at all. Please don't celebrate the ultimate ruin of the wicked because it's only by the grace of God that we are not one of them. It is only by the grace of God through Jesus Christ and faith in Him that we can be in this second group. It's not that we win against them. It's simply the way God has set it up. It's to remind the wicked, look, if you keep rejecting me, you're on the losing side. The losing side. You don't want to be there. And yes, there is a bit of vindication because we live in a culture, we live in a world, we have ever since, Adam, where the wicked seem to prevail. Even today, we have criminals going free, looting and rioting, burning and killing And nothing seems to be done. We're in a culture that wants to, some of them want to defund the police department completely. We want people who are wicked and evil to prevail. And it smothers out the the legitimate uh, protests that need to go on. You know, there are people legitimately protesting grievances and difficulties. They should be allowed to do that and we should hear them. But the only problem is the sound of violence and hatred and wickedness has drowned out legitimate protests. There are people that rip off people in business deals. There are people that steal, kill, maim, and destroy. And yes, one day God is going to make them pay. God is going to make the believers and and, and the people who trust Him prevail. And so there is a certain sense of vindication. But again, let me encourage you not to celebrate the ruin of of the ungodly. And yes, we will trample them under our feet. And it says, on this day that I do this, says the Lord. When He does this, this is going to be what happens. Again, I don't celebrate the ruin of the wicked, but I do celebrate the release of the godly. I celebrate the healing, the freeing, the prevailing that's coming. And And I beg you, if you're watching, I beg you to be with us in that. I beg you to fear God and come to Him for His grace. And so we see two groups. We see the ungodly who, through the judgment of God, will be ruined. And it's sad, and it's terrible. Ultimately, they're going to be stubble. They're going to burn, and they'll be consumed by God's judgment. But the godly will be released, released from our sin prisons, released from our self-prisons. We will be released to enjoy the blessings of God's new heaven and new earth. there will be healing, there will be liberty, and we will prevail over the ungodly. So as we finish out this passage today, God leaves us with a reminder. Now understand, Malachi is the last prophetic message to his people, to God's people, for another 400 years. They will not hear another prophetic word. They will not hear from another legitimate prophet until John the Baptist comes on the scene and heralds Jesus Christ. So this is the last word to his people. And this is also, you know, sometimes God gives us one more chance while we're still in this world. God wants our attention. So let's look. First of all, He gives them a last challenge. And here's the reminder from God. One last challenge. He says this in verse 4. He says, Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb, for all Israel with statutes and judgments. So what is that last challenge? He wants us to remember the Word of God. Specifically, he wanted the children of Israel in Malachi's day to remember the law of Moses because they were slacking away from it. They were being lazy. They weren't adhering to it like they should have. And I can hear it already being said out there, well, pastor, we're not under the law of Moses anymore. That has nothing to do with us. Specifically and technically speaking, you are correct. But nonetheless, while we are not under specific laws that deal with Israel, we do need to adhere to the general moral principles contained in them. You know, I read a book by a very well-known and popular Christian author that says we really don't need the Ten Commandments anymore. I'm going to tell you that was a very irresponsible thing for him to say because the Ten Commandments are just as valid today as they were 3,500 years ago when God first delivered them to Moses. Those Ten Commandments, somebody who also once said, well, those are just to please God and make Him happy. They have nothing to do with the people around us and getting along. That's bogus because six out of those Ten Commandments deal with getting along with your fellow human being. Deals with getting along with people, not stealing from them, not longing for their spouse, not not being ugly to your mother and father, all those things. Go back and read them. You know, they might have been specifically given to the nation of Israel, but they're also generally applicable today. As a matter of fact, if we kept the Ten Commandments, now we couldn't keep them to be saved, Ten Commandments won't save you, but as believers, as not only just children of God through faith in Christ, but even the unsaved person is a creation of God, and God is the owner operator of humanity, and He has set the instructions, listen, if humanity kept just those Ten Commandments, we wouldn't be experiencing the fraction of the problems we're experiencing today. This is not a battle between Old Testament or New Testament. This is not a battle between Jew and Gentile and what Moses said and what Jesus and Paul said. No, no, no. God's Word is God's Word from Genesis to Revelation. It starts with God's ultimate normal and the whole idea of the Bible and the the story of Christ is the redemption of humanity so that we might go back to that ultimate normal that we read about in Revelation. So in this last reminder from God, this last challenge, He tells us that we need to be faithful to His Word. Not just the Old Testament, not just the Ten Commandments, but the Bible, the Old Testament and New Testament together, both equally the Word of God. If we're going to draw ourselves out of the confinement of sin, the COVID virus of sin, then we need to be faithful and obedient to His Word. It was good enough for Malachi's people in his day. And it's the same message for us today. So that is the one last challenge from God. And listen, one last challenge means one last chance. And specifically, this was the one last chance for Israel. Because in just 400 years, their Messiah would come as a suffering servant, as a lamb to be offered on the altar. And Israel had one last chance, in a sense, to receive him. And you know what they did? They rejected him. They rejected him. Now, they're still God's people today, and Jews are still getting saved every day. I tell you, one of the most complete persons that lives today is a Jew who knows Jesus as his or her Messiah and Savior. And that one day God will again allow the Jews to be uh, in the forefront of his plan as we look at prophetic scripture uh, for another day. But nonetheless, they had Jesus in their midst. Jesus was a Jew when he was on earth and they rejected him. So God turned to the Gentiles. And today, the gospel message, which came to the Jew first, as Paul said in Romans 1, is now in the hands of mostly Gentiles taking that message out. So here's the last chance based on the last challenge. He says in verse 5, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet. Now he's looking way ahead to the second coming of Jesus. Now, yes, John the Baptist was an Elijah type Individual, He was a herald of God's Messiah. But he's looking forward to the second coming of Jesus. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Talking about God's judgment. Talking about when Jesus would come back and judge the living and the dead. And so he said, here's the last chance, verse six. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. God is trying to get the people to Mal- of Malachi's day to look ahead and to see that judgment and reckoning is coming. Yes, they've been set free. Yes, they're liberated. But they've blown it. They're slipping away from it. And God's trying to bring them up and remind them. And no, it's not pleasant to hear about God's judgment. It's not pleasant to hear about fiery judgments, judgments and people going to hell. That's, that's not pleasant to hear. But it's the reality that we must hear. The people of Malachi's day needed to hear that. The people of our day, you and I, need to hear that. That there is a day of reckoning coming. We can escape that through Jesus Christ and faith in Him. We can escape harsh judgment as believers as we stand before the judgment seat of Christ by surrendering and committing our lives to Him as believers. God wants to turn the hearts of fathers back to children again. Rather than selfish ambition, He wants to get them to focus on their kids so that generations might hear the Gospel. He also wants to turn the hearts of children to fathers again so that there's no resentment, no anger, but fathers love their children, children love their fathers. And the last line of this whole challenge, this whole whole last chance, the last line of the Old Testament itself, this is the last prophetic utterance from God until Jesus comes. He says this. He said, pay attention to this, Lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. This is a last chance. He's saying, You better listen. It's interesting. He ends the the Old Testament with the idea of a curse. With a curse. But as we went from Genesis to Revelation earlier in this message, let me pop back over to Revelation. I don't have it up on the screen or anything, but you can look it up on your own. But in Revelation 22, I want you to notice as you read it, you can go and look at it on your own. Verses 20 and 21 of Revelation 22, the last lines of the New Testament. He says this, He who testifies these things says, Quickly or surely I am coming quickly. Jesus is coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. And here's the last line of the New Testament. It says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The Old Testament ends with a curse. The New Testament ends with grace. And that's the whole idea. We are cursed. We're cursed by sin. We're cursed with Adam's sin. All of us are born in sin. All of us are slaves to sin. That's why God sent Jesus Christ, to redeem us, to make us new. But the fact of the matter is, we're going through a COVID-19 virus, we're going through political corruption, media corruption, upset political unrest, racial unrest, human unrest, and anger, riots, looting, all of this stuff, because we're under a curse. But it is through Jesus Christ who brings us grace. Grace is the unmerited love and favor of God. As I said earlier, none of us deserves to go to heaven. I don't. None of us deserves to walk with God. I don't. But just like Malachi's people, God is saying, look, liberation is possible. He liberated them from the Babylonians, but they they didn't take advantage of it. God wants to liberate us at least in the immediate sense from this COVID virus. He brought it, he allowed it, it's happening. Why? Because he wants us to do something with it. He wants to change us, he wants to get our attention, he wants to transform us and make a better church, a better people, a better world. He sent a curse, but he also sends the grace of God through Jesus Christ. So I'm asking you believers who are watching this one more time go back and read the book of Malachi, short four chapters. It's short. But ask yourself what you and I are going to be like after this virus is over. Are we going to go back to normal? And I'm not just talking about the malls, the schools, the jobs. I'm talking about spiritually. Are we going to be like we were before, going to church when we feel like it, giving when we have... Spent everything and spent our best and done our best and then giving God, His church, His ministry, second, third, fourth best. Are we going to treat God cavalierly? You know, when all this virus started up, people complained that the government was shutting the churches down. Let me tell you a little secret. God's people were shutting the churches down long before their government got their hands on it. Because we weren't showing up to church. We'd rather go to the lake, to the mountains, to the ball game. We didn't feel like going to church we were up late saturday night we didn't feel like worshiping god let someone else work in the nursery let someone else sing in the choir i've got too much to do i'm too busy i'm gonna tell you it is because of that attitude that god has allowed stuff that is going on to go on and i believe god is pulling us up ringing us out and wanting to know what we're going to be like when it's done Malachi had six oracles, burdens to share with the people. But you go back and you read those six oracles. They're they're tough, they're strident, they're hard, they're harsh. But in each time, God also says, come back. He calls the people of Israel back. He reaches His hand of grace to them to bring them back. He loves them and longs for them. And it's the same way now. God, through His Word, even though we're going through harsh times that He has allowed to come, God is reaching out to you and I with his hand of grace. So I ask you specifically, West Concord Baptist Church, what are we going to be like when all of this is over? What are we going to be like when we're able to bring everybody back in again? Are we going to go back to the way we were? Bless God, I hope not. I hope our church becomes on fire, transformed, and excited about the things of God. I hope we become a church that has never been seen in this property before. I hope West Concord looks so different, and I'm talking about a good different. I hope we draw closer to God's ultimate normal than the new normal the world has prescribed. So let's finish this up this morning. James Denny, who was a preacher back in the late 19th, early 20th century, speaking of the judgment of God, the reckoning of God, the great equalizing of God, he says this, all that we have hidden shall be revealed. The things that we have done in the body will come back to us, whether good or bad. Every pious thought and every thought of sin, every secret prayer and every secret curse, every unknown deed of charity and every hidden deed of selfishness, we will see them all again." we will see them all again. And though we have not remembered them for years and perhaps have forgotten them altogether, we shall have to acknowledge that they are our own. Is not that a solemn thing to stand at the, at the end of life? You know, everything that we do that people see and don't see, every thought will be brought out even through this COVID virus, how we respond or how we react to it will be brought out. We will be judged for how we are through this time and what we become afterward. That more than anything else should draw us up and get us to pay attention. I close with this quote rather, from uh, Daniel Webster an early American politician, but a man of God as well. Those are rare today, by the way, in a combined form. He said this, and very simple. He said, my greatest thought is my accountability to God. My greatest thought is my accountability to God. Today, our greatest thought is, will I get back to work? My greatest thought is, when can I go to the mall? Our greatest thought is, when can I go back to Red Lobster? Or whatever your thoughts are. Daniel Webster, in the midst of his life, He said, my greatest thought is my accountability to God. Listen, that's what Malachi wanted the people of Israel to see. God, through Malachi, wanted us to make sure that our greatest thought will be our accountability to God. And it was valid 2,400 years ago, and it's just as valid today. Is your thought, your greatest thought, about your accountability to God? If it is, you will not be like anybody else in this world. You will not be the same after this COVID virus. We've been talking about release from captivity. Yep, we're heading for release from the COVID virus, hopefully. But I hope in Jesus' name that we're gonna release, be released from our own selfishness and sin. My greatest thought is my accountability to God. I hope you know Jesus as your savior. I hope you've trusted him and only him to take you to heaven because the Bible, you saw what it said about the godless. You saw their ultimate ruin. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I'm part of the godly, because God one day is going to release us from all the suffering, sadness, grief, and pain, and we'll be with him together forever in heaven. And until then, we can walk with him and get a glimpse of that, get a taste of that. Please don't leave this virus without being changed. Don't let this misery go by without gaining the message and as we are released from captivity from covid may god also as we yield to him release us from captivity to sin as well if you don't know jesus trust him if you do know jesus trust him and live for him for additional sermon resources and to find out who we are visit us online at westconcordchurch.com thanks for listening